All right, welcome back to the listener's commentary on the Gospel of Mark. In this recording, we're going to be looking at Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 25. And Mark doesn't include a ton of Jesus' teaching. He does reference Jesus as a teacher quite a bit, but he only actually occasionally includes blocks of Jesus' teaching. And this chapter is one of those blocks. Specifically here, he shows us some of Jesus' teaching in parables. And this particular section, 1 through 25, uh, focuses on one parable. The next section after it includes several other parables. But this one, one parable that really fits in well with the preceding scene where you had various responses to Jesus. You had his family members really dismissing him, being confused by him, thinking he's out of his mind. You had... Uh, Jewish leaders who were opposed to him, rejecting his message and actually accusing him of being in league with the devil. You also had uh, the disciples sitting around him, learning from him and acting as his disciples and listening to him. And so this parable is the well-known parable of the sower, and it really indicates that those various reactions to Jesus have to do with how people hear the message that Jesus teaches. Here's what happens in Mark chapter 4, 1 through 25. And again, he began to teach by the sea as common Jesus' regular practice. This has now become sort of almost a generic way for Mark to describe Jesus' activity. He goes out to the sea. He gathers people by the sea. Here he begins to teach again by the sea. And so he's gathered uh, along the seashore um, and he's going to teach the parable of the sower. In fact, there's actually a traditional spot just north of Capernaum along the Sea of Galilee, where there's a little cove that has kind of become deemed the Cove of the Sower. Whether Jesus actually taught it there or not, we can't be 100% certain, but it certainly fits. It's along the sea. Uh, it is a cove that acts as a natural amphitheater with sound traveling up the hill well to crowds above, as well as down the hill to someone like Jesus, who maybe the crowd would ask questions of and whatnot. And so in places like this, Jesus taught by the sea. And Mark says here in verse 1 that such a very large crowd gathered to him that he got into a boat on the sea, sat down in the boat, and the whole crowd was by the sea on the land. And we noted in our uh, in recording on chapter 3 that a crowd had gathered around Jesus like this. He told his disciples to have a boat ready, and this is the reason why. And when it got super crowded, this was an effective way for him to kind of get away from the crowd enough that he could teach them without being completely pressed in by them. And so he uses the boat sort of as like a platform from which to teach from. So there's the crowd sitting on the hillside in this little cove along the Sea of Galilee, Jesus in a boat uh, with some of his disciples in the boat, probably, you know, keeping the boat stable, rowing it, making sure it's positioned properly as Jesus is teaching the crowd. Verse 2 tells us that he was teaching in parables. And he was teaching them many things in parables, verse 2 says, and he was saying to them. Now, before we look at the specific parable that Jesus is going to use here in this teaching context, let's just uh, talk about what a parable is in the first place. Parable was essentially, even though the word is a broad word, can, can cover a lot of different 
forms of kind of symbolic or figurative or allegorical type teachings. Essentially, especially in Jesus' ministry, a parable was a down-to-earth story that made a kingdom of God point. And sometimes that point was looked at from various angles. And Jesus was well known for teaching in parables. It was sort of distinctive of his teaching style, but he didn't invent the parable. We actually see a few parables in, say, some of the Old Testaments, like, for example, when Nathan comes to confront David after a sin with Bathsheba, he uses a parable to help kind of come in the back door, convict David of a sin, make the point. So we see some of it in the Old Testament, and Jewish rabbis also were known to use parables as well. So it was a fairly well-known teaching style, but Jesus made great use of it, was known for teaching in this way. And his parables were very much rooted in the culture of his day, familiar scenes of his day, so that uh, knowing the culture will help us actually make sense out of what the parable is talking about. The parable in this particular story here in Mark 4, 1 through 25, is the well-known parable of the sower. And it sounds at one level like Jesus is merely describing a well-known common agricultural practice and experience. And he speaks the parable and then he just leaves it hanging without enunciating the point of the parable for the crowd. Now, he does explain the parable to his disciples in this story, but for the crowd, they hear the parable and then they're left scratching their head. So here's how Jesus teaches this parable. Verse 3 says, listen, listen. And that's really an appropriate setup because this parable is going to revolve around that theme of hearing or listening. It's going to be central to the message of this parable. So he opens it by saying, listen, behold, the sower went out to sow. So the picture is of a farmer, a sower or a farmer who's going to plant seeds. He's going to sow seeds in the ground. He's going to do it. He's got maybe a leather bag on his side that's got whatever seed, wheat seed, barley seed, whatever he wants to grow. And so he's going to go out to sow, which means he's going to broadcast his seed. He's going to grab handfuls and he's going to toss it out there into his prepared field. Verse 4 then goes on and says, And as he was sowing, so there he is, casting his seed, some seed fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate it up. And again, this was just well-known practice. Amongst all these fields, you would have packed down pathways around the field that people could travel through on their own or that the farmer used around his field. That's the roadway. So you picture packed down earth field, uh, roadway, pathway alongside the field. As he throws some of his seed out there in the field, some bounces up onto the the pathway. It's hard packed dirt and it, the, the Seed can't penetrate the soil in any way, just sits on top. Birds came, find it to be great bird food for them, and they ate it up. Other seed, verse 5, fell on the rocky ground where it didn't have much soil, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And so here's some more seed as he's casting at the end of the field where he's cleared out some of the rubble and the rocks underneath the soil as he's preparing it. He would move those into a pile maybe at the end of the field. Now as he's casting some of the seed, some of the seed uh, goes beyond the uh, parameters of the actual prepared soil, goes up into the rocks. And it springs up quickly 
Um, but it didn't have any depth of soil. So verse 6, when the sun came up and got hot, it was scorched because it had no root, it withered away. Continues and says, other seed fell among the thorns. There again, along the edge of the field, maybe there's some spot where there's some thistles or some thorns that uh, have come up along the edge of the field. Some of the seed fell in among there. It grew up, but it didn't come to maturity because it was choked out and it yielded no crop, verse 7. And then other seed, verse 8, fell into the good soil, the, the center part of the field, right? The well-prepared, tilled soil of the field. Some seed fell into that and it had been uh, broken up and plowed in. Maybe uh, there had actually been some goats or some sheep or uh, something that had kind of grazed on that field in the off season and all that manure had been worked into. This is now rich, good soil. Some seed fell into the good soil and as they grew up and increased, they yielded a crop and produced 30, 60, 100 times as much. Now, this whole parable derives from well-known farming experiences in the ancient world. Most of the people in the crowd could nod their heads along, like, yeah, I've been there, done that, or I've seen that done, right? They, they know this. This is a well-known farming experience. But the parable is about more than just farming. Jesus isn't just, you know, recounting or describing what most of them had experienced while farming. He's making a, he's telling a story that's going to make a point. So Jesus follows up the parable after telling them this simple little uh, descriptive story. Jesus follows it up in verse 9 by saying, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. In other words, listen and figure out the point of this little parable. What's this about? If you've got ears to hear, then listen and figure it out and understand. And those words... He who has ears to hear, let him hear, are very central to the point of this parable. In fact, when Jesus says, hear or listen to start the parable, then he says, he who has ears to hear to end the parable, it's really uh, illustrating the point of the parable. More on that in just a second. Now, after Jesus tells the parable... Um, he retires alone with his disciples for a bit, and his disciples want to know the point. Verse 10, as soon as he was alone, his followers, and so now he's alone with his disciples, not with the crowds, um, somehow off to the side with him, we're not really sure, but he's alone with his followers and the twelve, and they were asking him about the parable. And he was saying to them, to you... To you, my followers, to you who have gathered around me, to you who at the end of chapter 3 are my family because you're sitting there around me, listening to me, learning from me, and putting it into practice and doing the Father's will. To you, it has been given to, to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But for those who are outside, everything comes in parables. Notice that, that to you... Uh, and then to those who are outside. So there's the inside and the outside. The inside are his followers, his disciples, including the 12. They've gathered to him. They've come close to him. They're sitting around him. They're listening and learning. So to you, uh, it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, those who are not gathered around Jesus, as we saw at the end of chapter 3, those who aren't really interested in 
learning from Jesus and doing the will of the Father as expressed in Jesus' teaching, those who are dismissive of Jesus or reject Jesus or gather around Jesus as a curiosity or to get their own needs met rather than to gather around to listen, learn, and figure Jesus out to those outside. And so, in reality, the parables serve as like a filter for the crowd. Who really wants to know and learn? Who really wants to understand the kingdom of God? Who really wants to understand who Jesus is and what he's all about? The parables actually serve to achieve, like parables in general, actually serve to achieve what this parable in particular actually teaches. What's the state of your heart? What's the, what kind of heart do you listen with? And so we'll see that as Jesus explains this parable to his disciples here in a second. But first, after he says to them, to those who are outside, everything comes in parables. Then he goes on and says, verse 12, so that while they are seeing, they may see but not perceive. And while hearing, they may hear and not understand. Otherwise, they may might return and it would be forgiven of them. Now, this is actually a little bit weird, at least initially sounding to us like, what's going on, Jesus? Don't you want them to understand your teaching? Don't you want them to return and be forgiven? So we need to hear these words closely that Jesus says in verse 12 in their original context. Jesus is alluding to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah 6 is Isaiah's call to ministry and his commission to ministry. And when Isaiah is called to ministry, God tells him, I want you to go to this people and I want you to teach this people and I want you to keep doing it. Um, and they're not going to see, they're not going to hear, they're not going to understand, they're not going to repent. Like that's his call to ministry. Go teach them. Just know they're not going to listen. And you just keep teaching them in spite of the fact that they don't listen because that's just the way it's going to be. One of the effects, in other words, of Isaiah's ministry will be to confirm the people in their spiritual blindness and their spiritual deafness. They don't really want to listen to God's word. That's what God is getting at there in Isaiah chapter 6 and his call to ministry. Well, that's the effect of Jesus' use of parables as well. Jesus' use of parables is to filter people out. Do you really want it? Are you really wanting to listen to God's word? Are you really wanting to sort it out? Or do you want it all to be spoon-fed to you and super easy? And so Jesus' parables have this kind of dual effect. To those who really want it, they're going to get it. They're going to come inside. They're going to learn. The mystery of the kingdom is going to be given to them. It's going to be taught to them. It'll make sense to them. It'll help them grow deeper in their understanding of God and what he's up to in his kingdom. But to those who are lazy or dismissive or hard-hearted, um, it's just going to confirm them in their spiritual blindness and spiritual deafness. That's the point of verse 12. Now, I've got more on that. If you actually want to know more, you can check out my other podcast, Bible and Life podcast, and check out episode 203. Unless you're li listening on an Apple device, for whatever reason, Apple has added two, no two more episodes, uh, at least two numbers, to the thing. And so it's 205 on an Apple device. So either 203 on it normally or 205 on an Apple device uh, where I answer the question, didn't Jesus want people to understand his teaching? So I explained that concept a little bit more in depth there. But 
The main point here is that Jesus says to his followers and the 12, to you guys, you get the mystery because you've come inside. You've demonstrated that you actually are eager to learn. You want to know. And so you get the mysteries of the kingdom. If, you're on, if they're on the outside, it's in parables. Why? To either motivate them to come inside or to confirm them in the state that their heart is already in. Then Jesus goes on in verse 13 and he explains the parable to them. And so here's Jesus' explanation. He said to them, verse 13, Do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all the parables? Like in some sense, this parable is central. It's paradigmatic for how to listen to a parable. Um, and that's probably because that's the theme of this parable. So Jesus is now, for those who have moved inward, closer to Jesus, he's going to explain this parable. Just a couple of observations before we look at his explanation. The first is the four different kinds of soils represent four different kinds of hearts, Jesus will say. And the four different ways people hear the word of God. So four soils represent four hearts and they represent four different ways or four different kinds of hearts with which people hear the word of God. Also notice as we look at Jesus' explanation, what happens to the seed or the plant in each case? In the case of each type of soil or heart, what happens to the plant or the seed? Here's Jesus' explanation of the parable beginning in verse 14. He says, the sower sows the word. So the seed that he is planting is the word, the word of God, the message that Jesus is teaching. Verse 15, these are the ones who are beside the road where the word is sown. And when they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word which has been sown in them. And so the first type, the one, the seed that falls on the path, represents people who hear and the word can't penetrate their heart is the idea. They're like, you know, hard packed soil, no penetration, just sits on top and Satan immediately comes and takes away the teaching, the word that has been sown in them. Notice that he takes it away, that he it never, never even begins to grow. It's immediately removed. Verse 16, and in a similar way, these are the ones who are sown with seed on the rocky places. What are, who are they? Well, they're the ones who hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, but they have no firm root in themselves but are only temporary. So when affliction or persecution occurs because of the word, immediately they fall away. So you have this group of people who, the seed sown on the rocky soil, um, these are people who they hear the word, they get excited about it. Yes, they respond all exuberantly and enthusiastic about uh, the teaching of Jesus, the message of Jesus, but it never goes down deep. They never meditate on it. They never uh, absorb it deeply and they never draw near enough to ask questions and to process it and uh, to figure it out. And so it never goes down deep into themselves. So they have no, no firm root. Their roots stay on the surface. They're shallow, small little root system. And as a result, they're only temporary. They initially sprung up all excited about Jesus, but it's only temporary. And so when a affliction comes or persecution comes, in other words, when difficulty, just the difficulty of life comes, when things get hard, right? When life doesn't go easy, whatever it is, any sort of affliction comes or persecution. Persecution is specifically hostility or opposition or ridicule or attacks for your faith in Jesus. So Affliction, just general difficulty, persecution, hostility because of your faith. When affliction or persecution occurs because of the word, immediately 
they fall away. And so this seed, this plant is the one that withers up and dies. It, in other words, they fall away, goes away. Verse 18, now we have the seed among the thorns. Others are the ones sown with seed among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desires for other things enter and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. So these people, they actually hear it. They hear the teaching, but the weeds, well, that is worries of the world, like all the concerns and anxieties about uh, the stuff, the world, the agendas of the world, the things that preoccupy the mental space of the world, the things that preoccupy the emotional space of the world, worries of the world, the deceitfulness of wealth, so wealth and all its promises, so it promises a lot but doesn't give what it promises, the deceitfulness of wealth, wanting, 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 or the desires for other things, whatever those other things are, just a broad generic phrase. And so all these concerns about other things, they get in the way, they enter in, and notice it chokes out the word, becomes unfruitful. So uh, with the hard soil taken away, the shallow soil falls away, the uh, weedy soil choked out. Um, but what about those with the good soil? We'll look at verse 20. And those are the ones sown with seed on the good soil. They hear the word. They accept it. The idea of the word accept it is to welcome it, like to take it into themselves deeply, right? So they welcome it in because the ground in the parable is soft, right? Rich. And so the seed now enters into the soil and it bears fruit 30, 60, or 100 times as much. In other words, one little seed, and boom, it gets a whole lot more. It gets 30 times the harvest, 60 times, 100 times the harvest. It gets more. And so that's the parable of the sower. But Jesus isn't done with his explanation. He continues explaining it in verse 21. Unfortunately, most Bibles put like a subhead between verse 20 and 21, which causes us to immediately in our you know, visual space, just think, oh, started a new topic. So the parable of the sower ends at verse 20. Not so. He's still dealing with the parable of the sower. He's still explaining it to them in verse 21 and following. And it still is driving home the point of the parable. So let's keep reading verse 21. He was saying to them, a lamp is not brought to be put under a basket or under a bed, is it? Is it not brought to be put on a lampstand? In other words, what's the purpose of a lamp? A little tiny oil lamp. You don't put it under bed, particularly when it's flaming, because it's, in their day and age, it's just going to catch it on fire. Uh, you don't put it under a basket because that's just going to snuff it out, right? No, what's the purpose of a lamp? You set it up uh, high on the little lamp stand in the house so that it shines and gives light to the whole house. That's the purpose of a lamp. And that's the purpose of Jesus' teaching. Jesus' teaching is not trying to bring darkness. He's really not trying to hide anything. And so he's explaining why is it in parables? Well, it's not because he doesn't want to shine the light. It's not because he doesn't want to uh, help people see. He's not trying to hide anything. He, he really does intend to bring light, um, but it, its purpose is in this moment to really filter out the crowds and see who really wants to know and do God's will. So he goes on in verse 22 and says, for nothing is hidden except to be revealed, right? Like that's the whole point. Nor has it been, has anything been secret, but that it should come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he restates that, that theme that he said at the end of the parable of the sower. In other words, 
he, what he's getting at is that the goal of his ministry is really the same as the purpose of a lamp. It's not to hide, even though he teaches in parables. It's to shine the light of God's truth. But achieving that goal depends on how somebody hears. Uh, parables, as one scholar put it, place the burden of responsibility on the listeners. Are they listening closely? Do they actually listen to hear? And that's the point Jesus makes in verse 24. And he was saying to them, take care what you listen to. Literally, it reads, watch out what you hear. What are you listening to? What do you hear? How do you hear? What you listen to and respond to and give your heart to will shape who and what you become. And in the parable, you have all these different kinds of people. You have people who hear with a hard heart. You have people who hear with a shallow heart. People who hear with a distracted heart. And you have people who hear with a good heart. And so in relation to Jesus, what kind of hearing do you use? What kind of heart, what kind of person are you? Hard, shallow, distracted, or good? In fact, Jesus actually finishes his explanation of this parable with a proverb and a warning or a promise, depending on how you hear. Look at what he says in the rest of verse 24. He says, By your standard of measure, it will be measured to you, and more will be given to you besides. Now, this is a general proverb that can be applied to a number of situations. Rabbis applied it to divine judgment. Jesus applies it to judging other people or forgiveness in various places. Here, he applies it to how you hear his parables, particularly this parable of the sower. And the basic idea is you'll get out what you put in. Your standard of measure, it'll be measured to you and more will be given besides. Now, it comes from, this imagery comes from the marketplace of his day. In the marketplace, you measure out one pound of grain. Guess what? You'll get one pound of grain. That's the way it works. And if the standard of measure is accurate, right? Like, so you put a pound of grain in a bag, and if the weight on the opposing side of the scale is a pound, a pound in, pound out, that's what you get. That's the way it works. Well, here, that principle, that imagery, applies to hearing the word. Your standard of measure uh, equals the way you hear Jesus' teaching. Or, uh, after Jesus' time, anyone who brings his teaching. You can measure it with a hard heart. You're going to get nothing out of it. You can measure it with a, sh a shallow heart, and you'll get short-lived. You know, you'll get a, a boost of excitement, a little bit of faith, and but then it'll be short-lived. You measure with a distracted heart, and you're not going to get much out of it. It's going to be choked out. So Jesus explains the point in, the, the, in verse 25, and he does so in terms that connect with the parable. Here it is. For, this is... Right? By your standard of measure, it's going to be measured to you, and more will be given besides for, notice that, explaining, for whoever has, to him more will be given. And whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. This is exactly what happens in the parable. Um, with the seed, the way you hear Jesus' teaching determines whether you get more of his teaching. The seed on the path, the birds came took it away. They didn't get more of it. It got taken away. Uh, the seed on the rocks, the sun came and it withered away. Uh, the seed among the weeds, the weeds came and choked it out, right? Like 
how you listen to the word, the standard of measure you're using to measure Jesus and his teaching and his word, well, that's going to determine um, exactly what you get out of Jesus' teaching. And then the one that falls on the good soil, what does it get? Well, it gets more, right? For whoever has to him, more will be given. So the seed goes in and it actually takes root and it grows and it grows up 30, 60, 100 times more was given to the seed that fell on the good soil. So for whoever has, to him will be given more. But to the one who doesn't have, even when he has, will be taken away. Shallow little, small little faith, because it's on the rocks, right? Initial burst of faith, but it gets choked out by the weeds. Even what he had got taken away. And so the point here, as Jesus wraps this up in verse 25, is that the way a person hears the word, the message and the teaching of Jesus, determines what they're going to get out of that word. How do you hear it? Do you hear it with a hard heart? Do you hear it with a shallow heart? Do you hear it with a distracted heart, right? Or do you hear it with a good heart that welcomes it in and lets it go deep into your heart, deep into your soul, and brings the transformation of your life and then comes up and bears fruit well beyond what you could have ever imagined, 30, 60, or 100 times as much. Uh, this parable is all about how you hear. So, for him or her who has ears to hear, let him hear what Jesus says.